¿Qué desea ordenar? Una Big Mac y... Oye, ¿pedimos 10 McNuggets? Sí. ¿Miti, miti? <ríe> Dale. ¿Te acuerdas cuando mamá te hacía compartir y peleabas? <ríe> Ey, más respeto a tu hermana mayor. El amor de hermanos, tío, de McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. It's Say It Ain't Contagious with Adrian Burgos, Greg Calcaterra, Stephen Goldman, Frank Gritty, Lincoln Mitchell, and Tovo Wang. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Say It Ain't Contagious. I'm Frank Gritty here with my colleagues, Lincoln Mitchell, Craig Calcaterra, Adrian Burgos, and Tova Wang. Steve Goldman could not be with us here this week. We miss him badly, so we'll have to figure out how to close this show out this week. This week, we're going to talk about the latest in baseball and just go from there. There's a lot to talk about, of course. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things to criticize, as always, as we want to do, but there's a lot of good things to talk about as well. And so we thought we'd start about some of the recent stories that, uh, you know, touch on some things that we've been talking about throughout, you know, the, the year, certainly around questions of inequality, harassment and things like that. And so I thought I'd throw it to Craig to, to start us off on our conversation about the latest on that front. The latest on that front is everyone's least favorite pitcher in baseball. And if he wasn't your least favorite pitcher in baseball, he should be now. Um, Trevor Bauer of the Los Angeles Dodgers made the news this past week. It was revealed that a restraining order has been taken out against him by a woman uh, from Southern California with whom he had had two sexual encounters. They turned violent and they were ugly. And that's all we knew as of, say, Tuesday of last week. And then on Wednesday of last week, a report from Britt Gurley and Katie Strang of The Athletic came out that detailed the 67-page restraining order complaint against Bauer. It is, to say the least, disturbing. I'm loath to even go into the details by this point, if you, you, you might be aware of them, but let's put it this way. Bauer was violent. He, uh, he rendered the woman unconscious. He injured her in many horrible ways and did not uh, gain consent for many other horrible things he allegedly did. There is an active police investigation into Trevor Bauer by the Pasadena, California police. And as of yet, as we're recording anyway, on, on Thursday, July 1st, The Los Angeles Dodgers have acknowledged that they are aware of the situation. Major League Baseball has been apprised of the situation, and that's where things stand. My personal view of it, you know, based on the legalities of it and what we've seen, is uh, it, it would be sort of surprising to me, uh, shocking even, if Bauer does not come out of this with some sort of criminal charge. But given all that's going on in the world, I guess that's not something we could even have a guarantee of because uh, holding people, holding men responsible, especially powerful, wealthy men responsible for their behaviors, their abuse and their sexual assaults seems to be a problematic thing in this country. As we saw recently with uh, Bill Cosby, uh, the decision in the Bill Cosby um, uh, case uh, just a, a couple of days ago. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, you know, my thing on Bauer is, you know, this is not a hindsight, haha, we were right, we didn't like this guy, because I've not liked this guy for a long time. He's he's displayed, uh, you know, just a, a fairly notable lack of sort of empathy and respect for other people. He is harassed in an online way, people who is critics, uh, especially if they're women, especially if they don't have many followers. He's just been sort of a cruel person in interactions online, and people have criticized him for that and said, well, maybe he's not the 
you know, against the grain, brilliant young pitcher that a lot of people like to portray him as in uh, baseball media, the, the sort of renegade, but rakish renegade that uh, might have something well to recommend him. He's not that guy. He's not been that guy for a very long time, if he ever was. And these allegations against him right now seem to bear that out pretty well. You know, it's hard not to. So there's there's a Trevor Bauer, the person, right, as, as you highlighted, Craig, right, who you know, has this history of, of being a, a bad guy in various ways, right? But then there's this just the bigger ongoing, you know, issues around assault and harassment in our society, right? Uh, and how they play out in Major League Baseball, right? Um, and so I think, you know, on the one hand, we could talk about Bauer, right? And, and him, but at the same time, this is bigger than Bauer, isn't it? Well, it's like, you know, when people talk about systemic racism and no, no, it's just a few racists. I mean, are, is baseball ever going to look at this in a systemic way? Um, and approach it that way rather than saying, well, of course, you're always going to have a few boys who are going to be boys and, you know, do, do this, that, and the other. Though the Bauer thing, of course, exceeds that. I don't know if they even have the faintest idea how. I don't. I have no idea what kind of programs they've had. They, I mean, they have some kind of diversity, something or other, I'm sure, but I don't, I don't know what they have done proactively on this issue. One of the interesting things for me is, this has been a really interesting season of when dealing with issues of sexual assault, misogyny, the relationships between MLB, its coaches, its players, its front office people, even Hall of Famers, and issues of sexual assault. Um, it, it's fascinating. Uh, Roberto Alomar was you know, banned from baseball for, we don't really know the story. Uh, it hasn't been uh, put out front other than he did some serious misdeeds and he is now having to deal with the consequences for that, which is being kicked out of any association with MLB. But man, did baseball drag its feet on Mickey Calloway before and now Jared Porter, we finally see something. What's still like troubling me is, is MLB going to take a serious position in how they interact or and in how they police the behaviors of their front office folks, their players, and their interactions with women and journalists and those who are covering the game. If anything, I'm more concerned now as this season plays out about what is Rob Manfred and his people doing to address this for baseball. It's not going to help baseball to appeal to a younger generation, to more women, as fans, as journalists, to cover the game if it's not going to do a good job with this? I would say nothing. And I'm very loath to, to say that they will do anything. And I say that not just based on my normal pessimism about MLB as an institution, but just in watching how the Callaway, the Porter, uh, the Alomar case, um, and perhaps the Bauer case, we'll see, has sort of proceeded, um, particularly in Callaway's case. It it soon became apparent based on the reporting of, uh, again, it was Britt Garoli and, and Katie Strang of The Athletic, who are doing all kinds of great work on this. Uh, note that a lot of male reporters who have access to people like Trevor Bauer, Mickey Calloway, or whatever, are not doing anything on this. I did actually want to, I wanted to bring that up as a separate topic that it's, you know, it's no accident that Britt Garoli is breaking these these stories. But anyway, go ahead with the, the original thought. Well, it became apparent very quickly that everyone knew that Callaway was a pig. It was an open secret. He had a nickname that people knew. His nickname was, pardon the expression, Dick Pick Mick. 
because of what he did, uh, and he was well known for it in multiple organizations, in with the uh, with the Indians, with the with the Mets, and with the Angels, especially when they're white. Yeah, no kidding. But that was yeah, seriously that was his that was his rep, and it was referred to as the worst kept secret in baseball by uh, employees for the Indians, where he worked for many years for that organization. The people who are executives, Mark Shapiro with the Blue Jays, who was the boss in Cleveland when Mickey Calloway was there, he was apparently the only person who didn't know. If you believe him, the reason Calloway's investigation took so long, many people within the game believe, is because Rob Manfred was trying to figure out, okay, just how many people knew about this, and how bad is this damage going to be? And there were many people that believed, and I am one of them, that the idea was we want to make sure that we could sort of insulate everybody who was in good standing in the game, be it Sandy Alderson, be it Shapiro, whoever, before we go out and then prune the one bad actor that we want to claim exists. So it took three months or something, despite the the evidence against Callaway being overwhelming for his suspension to come out when his suspension came out or his, I'm sorry, his banning, his temporary banning at least came out. He was the only person named. There was no name whatsoever of anybody in any organization that was in a position of authority that could have put a stop to Callaway's behavior, but didn't. It was absolutely not mentioned at all. The same thing with Jared Porter. Uh, when earlier this week he was banned uh, for through the 2022 season, no names of anyone else, despite the multiple organizations for which he worked. Major League Baseball, they, they've chosen to prune the bad actors, but they've not done anything to address the the culture of complicity, uh, the acceptance of such behavior. They're not punishing or even naming or, or criticizing anyone in a position of power who knows about this stuff and turns their head about it. They're ignoring what's happening right in front of them and hoping that we could just put somebody on a perp walk and that's the end of it. And that's a, a recipe for doing absolutely nothing in the future and for making sure that this kind of abuse and behavior continues. One thing that strikes me is that it is both bigger than Bauer and also about Bauer. You know, if we expand our sports discussion to include sports other than baseball, which I don't always like to do because I don't know anything about sports other than baseball, but there is a narrative around uh, football and basketball players, for example, and sexual assault, which has a racial tone to it. And it is, in my view, significant that Bauer, like, and I suspect the data would back this up, like most of the people who, men who commit sexual assault are white, is white. And he is a white dude who, you know, went, went to, he wasn't drafted out of high school like a lot of players were. He at least attended UCLA for a few years, which is, you know, a, a good school. Not that that means anything, but it, it, it is important because it helps inform the discussion around this that, you know, this is a problem in society that doesn't really know class, educational, or racial boundaries, even though it is sometimes framed differently. And that's why this is, in my view, a societal issue, but also a, a Bauer issue. And and I agree with Craig. I mean, I've never liked the guy particularly, but I take no, this isn't like, you know, oh, he he gave up the key home run or something and we can all laugh because he got some kind of just desserts. There's a, the victim here could have been killed for goodness sake. And, you know, I, I, I don't, again, I'm not a lawyer, much to my mother's uh, chagrin, but it seems to me that if the, the district attorney there throws the book at him and he goes to the Who Scout, like that would be a good outcome for all kinds of reasons. And I'm not someone who believes in kind of the carceral state, but if people are going to jail, he should probably be one of them. Again, we have to wait and see what we learn more. But And I don't think that'll happen. I think what they've done is they've basically given a safe harbor to anyone who isn't the actual bad actor 
and has basically showed them that if you can just say, I had no idea, then you're going to be fine. We're seeing this play out in the in the Tyler Skaggs thing, too, in a different situation entirely. Also, we'll we'll see that in the legal defenses there. There is no incentive whatsoever and a huge disincentive for anyone in Major League Baseball to say, oh, yes, I was aware that was a problem and I tried to act. It's way better for you, given how Major League Baseball approaches this to say, I had no idea. Who knew? I didn't know. And the way you stop this, I mean, you don't stop it. It's obviously a systemic problem. It's a societal problem. But the way as an institution you responsibly address this is you make it important for people in positions of power. When, when you know, when you're, when you're the general manager of a baseball team and you're going to hire your next manager, and it's pretty well known in the industry that this guy's a pig, it should be incumbent upon you to not bring him into your organization or to make sure that you know, you're, you're not hiring a guy like that. But now that that incentive's not there. If anything, if you go out there and say something like, oh, I don't want to hire Mickey Calloway because I heard what he used to do in New York, you're going to be the problem. You're going to be a guy that's try- not helping the team. Major League Baseball has created that incentive structure now. And I can't help but think about the way this falls also along lines of race and ethnicity because Mickey Calloway can get another job. And in many instances, like, you know, Willie Randolph forever was waiting for that call again. <laughs> And most of us are like, what the heck did he ever do? They must have something on him that he doesn't get another shot. The only other team to ever hire Cito Gaston was, oh, wait, it's the Toronto Blue Jays again. And so who continues to get hired? And also, like Jared Porter, moving up the ranks. You know, we're talking about pipelines in which certain people are able to thrive, even given their misdoings, and others are just isolated, put to the side, and not brought back. Yeah, As Craig was saying, it's like, which front office is doing their homework or do they care? Like, do they take the report and then just say, okay, we're going to hire Mickey Calloway anyway? My guess is it's a, hey, did you hear Mickey Calloway used to be a bad actor when he was in New York? Should we hire him to be our pitching coach? <laughs> Don't put that in writing. You know, I, I, I look, I, when I used to practice law, I used to have clients that operated in that way. You know, everybody's been in, or not everybody, hopefully, but a lot of people have been in institutions or been around, you know, power structures where there a great effort is made to to preserve deniability among people. And it is based, like you said, Adrian, it is based on sort of networks. It's based on, we know this guy, uh, we're not going to do anything to undermine him, but we're definitely going to be able to put ourselves in a position to moonwalk away from him if things get hot. And uh, that lack of accountability and that lack of uh, responsibility is just what kills institutions. I'm going to ask the question I always ask when we talk about these sorts of things. So you're right. Their approach seems to be pretty clear. Prune the bad actors, but there are more bad actors going to be coming down the pike on the horizon. I mean, like this is just an age when, you know, a bad actor is going to show up, you know, regardless. Right. Uh, and if, even if the facts of this, you know, this Bauer situation are true, I mean, just look at the way he operates. It's just, you know, there's going to be there are going to be more bad actors that are going to be pruned. And, and that's going to seem to suggest that something else is going to have to happen in terms of MLB's response. It just seems to be just, I mean, it's a short-sighted strategy and it's short-sighted because this is an age when we're not, we're not going to just have one or two bad actors. I wonder um, how many problems they thought were solved by, by Kim Ng being hired, if they thought that that was going to, you know, and I don't know, maybe this will be a pivot point you know, not just in terms of what do they do systematically and culturally to try and address these issues, but maybe it will inspire them to have more women in the front offices and even on, you know, doing, uh, taking positions on the field as a way of trying to do something about that culture. 
I do want to say again that it also did underscore to me the importance of having women sports writers. I don't know, Craig, how much, um, how many women baseball beat reporters in particular you've seen uh, around on the field and in the locker rooms, but there's a re- there's got to be a reason why it's women reporters who are breaking these stories, and you know these are the people that who have these stories are talking to, you know. There are, you know, there are certainly not anywhere near representative numbers of, of women reporters in baseball. Uh, there are a number of reasons for that. Partially is the pipeline in, partially is the, the sexism and misogyny uh, at the threshold points where people are getting hired. Um, but with the Cat O'Brien story, uh, you know, she she left. She was a rising star and she left because it was just a horrible environment. I mean, she had something terrible happen to her. She had no support and she became a target even though she was a victim and it was just a thankless situation. And there are many other female reporters who have had that same situation happen in sports. Um, so, you know, the, Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway basically targeted female reporters, uh, several of whom left the industry altogether because who needs this crap? Um, so yeah, it's, it's not an accident that, that String and Groley have this, have this, uh, beat sort of covered it, it part of it is because people are willing to talk to them because people aren't willing to listen to the victims otherwise partially is because they are keenly aware i know brit socially very vaguely and you know online and stuff but you know she's mentioned she's like yeah we've all seen this and you know when she says we've all seen this the women have all seen this the men are fairly oblivious to it either intentionally or or sort of genuinely oblivious because they just have no idea that this is a reality so yeah, it's it's not an accident. It's also not an accident that somebody who is not affiliated with a rights holder for Major League Baseball is breaking this stuff. This stuff is in The Athletic. This is not in ESPN. It is not at Fox. It is not at MLB.com because there is no market for that, uh, for, for any story that reflects poorly on Major League Baseball in the many uh, baseball-controlled or baseball-adjacent media outlets. Geico presents Motorcycle Word of the Day. Today's word is tank slapper. Is a tank slapper used to describe a handlebar wobble? Or is it a motorcycle joke that is so funny you just have to slap the gas tank with your hand as you laugh? As in... Oh man, Daryl told me a great joke last night. It was hilarious. It was something about a dog wearing sunglasses. I wish I could remember. It was a real tank slapper. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Si tú y tus amigos ordenan en McDonald's, deja que los demás agarren su comida primero. Yo sé, el solo pensar en el olor de las papitas y tener que esperar suena loco. Pero por reglas si esperas, entonces las papitas que quedaron en el fondo de la bolsa son tuyas. Ordena por anticipado en el app y disfruta la recompensa de ser paciente. Para pa pa pa. Móvil Order and Pay en McDonald's participantes requiere la descarga y registro. ¿Qué desea ordenar? Una Big Mac y... Oye, ¿pedimos 10 McNuggets? Sí. ¿Miti, miti? <ríe> Dale. ¿Te acuerdas cuando mamá te hacía compartir y peleabas? <ríe> Ey, más respeto a tu hermana mayor. El amor de hermanos, tío, de McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac, por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular.
I could just go back to something that we discussed earlier, Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway are people who are largely unknown to all but the more intense fans. Roberto Alomar is, you know, in my mind was a great, great ball player, but it's not known to fans under 30. Uh, my kids have not heard of Roberto Alomar. Of course, my kids don't know what position Lou Gehrig so played, so they're not exactly the best measure of that. But Trevor Bauer is the reigning Cy Young Award winner. He plays for the reigning World Series winning team that is desperately trying to win <laughs> its first World Series in a real season in, in, in several decades, and is in a very strong second place right now. Never stop, Lincoln. Never stop. <laughs> and it is a moment when baseball is in a very punitive state of mind, right? Pitchers are being suspended for sticky substances. Minor leaguers are getting 80-game suspensions, which is kind of really devastating to a career unless you're a top prospect for PED use. And it's much easier to do the kind of, I don't know what the word for it is, but to make sure that to do the preemptive damage control around a Mickey Calloway than it is for a Trevor Bauer. And this puts both the Dodgers as a franchise, and here I'm not picking on the Dodgers. This could happen to any team. And MLB, in, in my view, a much tougher situation. They can't sweep this under the rug. They they can't let tra- – I mean, if, if this becomes a criminal case, as our legal counsel here suggests it might, you know, they have to let it run its course. And if not, they will be in, exposed in a way they haven't been yet. And when they get exposed for this, the uglier side of what some of you have been discussing is also going to come out. One thing that I find interesting about this, and I, I hate to even go there, but I just know that this is how part of the calculus – Trevor Bauer has a, a unique contract with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, you know, he's being paid an awful lot of money this year and an awful lot of money next year, but that's it. I mean, there's really no, I, I don't even know if next year's guaranteed. I forgot to look it up. I forgot. And that may have turned out to be an enormously stupid financial move because if they had three million, if they had Garrett Cole money invested in him, they would be treating this a lot differently. Right. And and the thing is, at the same time, if Major League Baseball watches this progress, it gets to the position where it feels comfortable weighing in. And and I'll talk about that, too. I'm very, very critical of Major League Baseball all the time. But I, 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 I don't agree that the second this hit the news that Major League Baseball should have come out and issued a suspension. The domestic violence policy they have is not uh, contingent on either charges or conviction. It can do whatever it wants. I mean, it, it suspended our oldest Chapman, even though there were never even charges filed. He wasn't even arrested. But at the same time, there is an active police investigation going on right now. And I would be a little loath if I was running Major League Baseball to immediately issue a big press release about its findings about Trevor, Trevor Bauer when the police investigation is still going on. So they'll wait a little while, but who knows how long they'll wait. But the point of all that is the Dodgers have $40 million or something invested in Bauer this year. If he gets suspended, they don't have to pay that. You know, th- There are other considerations here that I wish people wouldn't take, but I think Major League Baseball and the Dodgers are going to take, you know, how this is going to hit them financially or how it's going to save them financially, uh, depending on your point of view. And the more immediate question or one of the more immediate questions is that he's scheduled to start pretty soon. Yes. In a couple of days. Sunday. Uh, well, we're recording this on Thursday, July 1st. He is supposed to uh, start uh, in Washington at 11 a.m. Bright and early, early game. That sounds fun. I mean, uh, not seeing him. But... <laughs> the game is 11 a.m. on the 4th of July. <laughs> That's right. I see the fireworks. As normally happens with this thing, we drop this one on like Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. So as you're listening to this, you'll know if Trevor Bauer started. Right. But uh, I, you know, the, as we're recording, the Dodgers have two or three days to figure out what the heck they're going to do because not a great look to trot him out to the mound right now. And uncharacteristically for him, he's gone silent on Twitter and uh, and all of that. So uh, it's a weird limbo right now. I mean, I just want to make sure that we are also including in this conversation the op-ed written about 10 days ago by Kat O'Brien, 
in which she says that she was raped by an one of the players. And more than really about that, about how she felt about it and that she couldn't, um, she couldn't talk about it and how she lived with it and the trauma of it. So, I mean, yes, there are going to be bad actors coming down the pike, but as we've said, it's not, that, that's not the issue. The issue is what is going on culturally and systemically, not just in baseball, obviously in the other leagues and obviously society in general, but what is going on with that, that they, you know, and we, we maybe we need to have someone on here who can discuss some really concrete things that they should be doing about this because it's clearly an issue that they haven't dealt with before and, and are going to be forced to now. So the Trevor Bauer situation will be ongoing, of course, uh, and we'll know if he, if he started a game uh, and we'll know more in the coming days. And uh, we'll see how this ongoing question of um, harassment and assault uh, continues to be a major issue in Major League Baseball and in society as a whole, of course. You know, comparatively speaking, you know, that we see if we compare Major League Baseball to NBA and other leagues, obviously they're behind. But again, this is a bigger issue than Major League Baseball. But, you know, so we usually are very skilled at critiquing what's happening in the game, as we demonstrated in this discussion. But there's a lot to be excited about, I think, this year in terms of what's happening on the field. You know, there's a very interesting storylines. We've talked about some of them already in, in past weeks. Shohei Otani, my favorite player, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, among others. So we thought we'd shift a bit to do something that we don't normally do, which is talk about what we're really excited about. So what are some things that we're seeing in the game? We'll go to Adrian first or Craig. Kind of a mid-season baseball Thanksgiving, if you will. I have to go first. I don't mean to cut in line, but I have to go first for a real good reason. Go. And the real good reason is that I need to preempt Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Oh, God bless. God bless. I thought that was the whole reason for this podcast. For the whole series. I do it with my usual Dodgers cap in hand as I do this, because I, I'm going to say one of the best things that has happened this year, and I think it's a great story, and I think it's even been underplayed, and as the season goes on, it's going to get more and more played, is the San Francisco Giants. They have been fantastic. They've been about the best team in baseball. But it's not just that, oh, look, the team that people thought might not be so great is great. It's that they're, they're great because a lot of stars from the last decade that has made that team very, very good have been good and not just good. Great. Buster Posey is Buster Posey again. I was going to say Buster Posey. Brandon Crawford is Brandon Crawford. Uh, before he was hurt, Evan Longoria was playing very well. Um, and then a familiar name, you know, Mike Yastrzemski, he's, he's doing well. But we live in a time when life is cheap in sports. Careers are shorter, and even baseball, which is known for longer careers than the other sports, the career window for baseball players has gotten lower and lower. It's shorter, shorter and shorter as time has gone on. And, you know, football and basketball, these guys are practically disposable sometimes. So seeing names that are, are fan favorites and like generational fan favorites from a team playing well, pushing the team into first place at the moment, they look like they're, they're playoff bound. I think three teams might come out of the NL West. I have to admit, against everything that I stand for normally, I have been happy to see the San Francisco Giants playing good baseball. Sorry, Lincoln, that I had to say that, but you're welcome. No, I appreciate that because I haven't been watching that, that division closely, so it's good to get that little catch-up there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like my fifth favorite California baseball team. <laughs> but Craig, I have to bring you back into this because in the spring, you said one of the lines that you hate the most is so-and-so is in the best shape of his life. And we saw those articles about Vladdy Jr. being in the best shape of his life. 
coming into spring training, and look, that man is falling. He is having a great year. He's like what twenty two. I mean, how he doesn't have much. Yeah, he doesn't have much of a life that he's lived. It's easy for him to be. For us to be in the best shape of our life, that's an accomplishment. He's a young man. I discount best shape of my life comebacks for somebody who I have underwear older than. It's just not something. Best shape of his life. He's finally grown into his body. So now we're thinking of Nick Dick's picks and Craig's underwear. This is all in one podcast. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, that was that was gross to me. <laughs> All in one. But seriously, think about the pressure that Vladdy has Jr. has faced in trying to live up to the name, in trying to, you know, beat back the naysayers who who said, you know, he's plumpy, he's playing a new position, he's moved from third to first, and that Blue Jays infield is young, it hits well, it feels well, they're exciting. It's all nepotism. (laughs) Here's the heck out of me as a Yankee fan. Because between the Rays and the Jays, man, the Yankees are looking like the most expensive team that will come in third or fourth place if they're lucky. And if you want teams that rhyme, the A's are better also. <laughs> but before anyone starts saying that the demise of the Yankees is the most fun thing that's happened this year, um, I, I want to say that for me personally, I, as that has happened, it has freed me to find a number of storylines that are going on with particular players as really enjoyable. I mean, let's talk about Jacob deGrom. I mean, he is, this is extraordinary. And it doesn't seem as if he's doing the sticky stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's historic. Kyle Schwarber on the Nationals. I mean, this town that I am in is like, he's, our, our, he's everybody's best friend. 10, what is it? 12 home runs in 10 games, I think. Um, all the juniors, Tatis, Guerrero, Bichette, um, you know, makes the Blue Jays fun to, to follow. Otani, everyone's watching Angels game just to watch Otani, right? I mean, people are just watching Angels games. Like, who would do that normally? <laughs> the Blue Jays particularly, or, you know, any of these teams. And I'm, you know, I'm enjoying the Mets. And No one's ever said that, by the way. That's a sentence that has never, ever been said in the history of baseball. <laughs> you know what? Listen, I love the Mets, even though I'm a Yankees fan. I know no one believes me, but... Uh, and even the sticky stuff, I think, has been fun. I mean, I I, I love the the fight with Girardi and Dave Dave Martinez, David Martinez, calling him a scam artist. <laughs> I thought that was fun. You know, I mean, that's you know, and and I wonder, you know, I, we, I, I don't want to be the one to say it, but you know, maybe Rob Manfred will be vindicated at the end of the day if this really switches things up. I don't know. I'm loving Tatis. Yeah, and you know, I unlike you, I uh, most of some of you on this podcast, I'm not loyal to teams. I, I'm really into players, and that frees me up. And I'm encouraging that freedom among <laughs> among us. I think you'd be better off. But uh, you know, when uh, Lincoln and I and my daughter went to see the Mets and uh, the Padres a couple of weeks ago, and he stepped up to the plate and crushed the grand slam. It was just you know, and then with his trot, he's got his own little thing with the trot. I mean, the Padres are fun. You know, they're really fun to watch. I'm, I'm not a Padres fan. It was interesting to see Padres fans in the stands at City Field, which is kind of hysterical. I mean, that's not a team that's known for a national following. I think it's because they've got these charismatic players that really transcend geography, and that, that makes them really exciting. A couple things that, that jump out at me about this season, and I think this has been – I mean, for me, one of the most exciting things is that I can go to a baseball game again. And I went with Frank and his daughter, and that was a lot of fun. I'm working at my West Coast office this month. 
And I'm going to three Giants games next week because three people, upon hearing I was back in town, invited me to the game. And I'm really looking forward to my garlic fries, my Impossible Burger, and hopefully the Giants winning. So <laughs> that'll be that'll be really fun. But there's a, no crazy crab. The crab sandwiches are out in center field, so that's a schlep. But maybe I'll spring. <laughs> okay. No, but that was the crab from the '83 Giants. Remember that you you talked about? He's not around anymore. He's not dancing anymore at the ballpark. At the they've upgraded. I see. Too bad. <laughs> but there's a couple things that really jump out on the field. And I'm just going to point at two of them. Bob Gibson in 1968, you know, one of the great, great pitchers who I was too young to have ever seen pitch, uh, had a 1.12 ERA. And when I was a kid looking at things like, you know, the baseball encyclopedia or other record books, I thought it was a typo. <laughs> really, like, I thought it was a typo. Like, how does somebody do that? Even in a pitcher's year, I kind of, when I learned that, but still. And Jacob DeGrom is threatening that number. And whenever you begin a sentence with not since Bob Gibson, you're in kind of fascinating territory. And I just think that Shohei Otani, we mentioned him before, but we got to mention him again because when you begin a sentence with not since Babe Ruth, right, that is really uncharted MLB territory. MLB didn't even exist. No one used what those letters stood for when Babe Ruth, towards you know the end of his day with the Red Sox, was, was kind of a two-way player. So that, to me, there are problems with the on the field, right? I don't like, as Steve referred to him as the, the Manfred man on second base, you know, starting the extra innings. I don't like the seven-game, double, seven-inning double headers. I don't like that Madison Bumgarner couldn't finish that no-hitter. But there's a lot of good stuff in baseball, and it reminds me of, I forget who said it, but it's been said in many times, many ways, baseball is such a great game that even the people who run it can't screw it up. And and that is kind of feels very, very true right now. And, and you know, I hope for Craig's sake the Giants do hold on and win that division. I know you're rooting for that story. <laughs> <laughs> Frank roots for players. I root for stories. Everybody else roots for teams. <laughs> to clarify, because I know I say negative things about the Yankees. I was raised and still am a Giants and Yankees fan. The Yankees were my American League team. The Giants were actually my grandfather grew up in the Bronx and passed that passion on to me. Other than the 10 years when Jackie Robinson was with the Dodgers because of his left-wing politics, he was briefly a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Yeah, and to be clear again, I also grew up, was raised to like the Yankees and the Mets. And I live right by the National Stadium, so I, these are, you know, the things that make sense to me. But uh, just to be clear about my fandom. You know, the Yankees did something good uh, a couple of days ago when, with Gwen Goldman. And I'm not a Yankee fan. I was raised to be one, but I became enlightened. Gwen Goldman, you know, who, who applied to be a bat boy as a girl in 1961, who was told by the Yankees, uh, no, the, that's not a job for girls. Um, the Yankees, you know... Uh, honored her and allowed her to come to the game and, and throw out the first pitch and live out a fantasy that she had as a child. And, you know, and, and, and certainly this is, you know, this falls into the category of, you know, easy gestures by a franchise. But nonetheless, it was a, it was a nice move by the franchise. And apparently other franchises might, the Tigers apparently might do this as well. It's interesting to see that history of exclusion because they had the letter that the Yankees sent her, which is awesome. So you could see what was said at the time. And to see how you know clubs are trying to address this in a you know symbolic way, but but nonetheless, it was it was a nice gesture, I thought. As you can imagine, I have people asking me if that's me in twenty years, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm in the process of writing my letter now so that I can start the ball rolling. Can you backdate until like 1988 or something? <laughs> yeah, I'll backdate it exactly. Thank you, Frank, for pointing out that uh, Brian Cashman is capable of making a good decision <laughs> at some point. Um, I'm waiting for the, I mean, he didn't make this trade, but I, I expect him to make some kind of trade that like the White Sox did a number of years ago when they got big game James Shield for uh, Fernando Tatis. It's like, who are the Yankees going to acquire that's not going to help them do anything? 
for a prospect who actually ends up doing something. So trade Jason Dominguez for uh, you know who knows nobody, but will they start trading people off if they keep uh, falling down the standings? As you know, like I mean, that's unthinkable for a Yankee fan. But are they just gonna you know stay in mediocrity? They actually gonna try to make a move. Well, on, on Thursday of last week, which is today as we're recording, note that's a cute little podcast radio trick I just did there. <laughs> Hal Steinbrenner gave a, a press conference, and it was highly anticipated. It was the morning after the Yankees play that horrible game against the Angels, where they scored seven runs in the first inning and then gave up eight in the ninth and just like or in the eighth or something and lost. Hal Steinbrenner was asked who he blames for what's happened with the Yankees, and he basically just said the players. He gave a little nod to, oh, I'm responsible because I run the team, and Brian Cashman's responsible, and Aaron Boone's responsible, but he just blamed the players. He said our players just have to play better. And it was a, a, a very, for people of a certain vintage, which most of us on this on this podcast are, it's very still weird to hear a Steinbrenner not ranting and raving and firing people over things. And part of it is, oh, it's nice. There's a reasonable Steinbrenner there. But part of it kind of makes me mad because, as I've mentioned several times on this podcast, one of my pet peeves right now is that owners in Major League Baseball aren't all that interested in winning. They're more interested in revenue. And uh, I think Hal Steinbrenner is probably he likes to win. I think they all like to win as a nice little side bonus if it's possible. But as long as the revenue keeps coming in, it's just that. It's a it's a luxury and we're just going to keep hum baby. So I feel like they're going to, to use a Roger Craigism, but I, I think that there won't be radical moves in New York. I think they'll, they'll happily play out the season with sunk costs in place and knowing that the revenue is going to be what the revenue is going to be this year and, and not much will happen. So it's good to know that it's not all bad in baseball. MLB is enjoying some really great seasons and, you know, having Fernando Tatis, it's been amazing to watch him Um, watching the Padres actually drawing fans who are boisterous is really interesting to see the habit of staying up late to watch West coast baseball has been revived into Burgos household Ah. because I want to see Fernando Tatis. My wife wants to see Tatis and other players out West, you know, so that that's great for baseball, I think. And, uh, you know, that's going to make it interesting into September. We certainly have some showmanship again. It's a very good thing. And for all the negative we throw on it, we meaning me, because I spend all day just being negative about Major League Baseball, there are certainly some exciting players and exciting on-the-field stuff happening as long as everybody can get the hell out of the way of it and let it happen. And Lincoln's point is right. You know, As we are still in a pandemic moment, right? Uh, even though many people in this country are acting like we're not, uh, it is it is great to be able to feel like you can you know enjoy at least most of these ballparks are outdoors <laughs> you know to, to be able to go to games in a way that uh, that you don't feel like you're taking your life in your hands you know i'm blessed to be vaccinated so that helps too but uh, it's a it's a, something that i don't take for granted it's really great to be in that position thank you all for listening to say it ain't contagious on behalf of lincoln mitchell tova wang craig calcaterra frank deridi and myself adrian burgos we didn't have steve goldman but we did talk about brian cashman the damn Yankees and all the fireworks in baseball, on and off the field. Men behaving badly, players playing good. So, we hear familiar names, Jostremski, Vladdy, all the juniors. On behalf of Adrian Burgos Jr., look forward to next week. We'll talk more baseball on Say It Ain't Contagious. All the juniors, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well done. Yes, and the most important junior of them all. At least that's what my mom tells me.
Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.